there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. One of the annoying things about this work is that it is a discipline. And as Americans, we historically loathe discipline. We thrive on the illusion of independence and freedom. We have a Statue of Liberty, we have an Independence Hall, we have a Bill of Rights, we have freedoms and we have independence and we're going to do what we want to do and nobody's going to tell us and we're the greatest nation in the world and if you don't like it, we'll kick your butt and take everything you have and call it ours and then make you like us because we're the best. And if I offended people by saying that, if, I, if there were Americans who are offended by that, I apologize. But this is simply my observation of this consciousness in this country of self-righteousness and insane patriotism, I guess is what pride is called. Localized pride is called patriotism. That's all this is, is localized pride. You know, we just have this pride about this locale, about this thing that we call America. We have this pride about it. I'm not saying everyone does, and I'm not saying everyone's got it to the same rabid degree, but it's something that we grow up in, that it's just here. It's just like we acquire this. So for the people, if there's anybody outside of America listening to this, I think there are probably a couple, try not to be too harsh with us. It's like we grew up with this just like you grew up with what you grew up with. I mean, if we acquired this like you acquired what you have, and what you have isn't perfect either, just in case you hadn't noticed that. And if you hadn't noticed that, well, then maybe it is a good time to begin to observe that about yourself. Instead of, you know, well, yeah, well, he's right. They're terrible. No, we are what we are and you are what you are. And that's what we acquired. That's the kinds of machines we are. And what we're trying to do is wake up. We're trying to embrace this work and submit to it so that we can wake up, so that it can, it can deliver force to us to give us something that we cannot get on our own. So because of this illusion of freedom and independence, we don't like to be told that we must obey. And that's really a drag. It may have something to do with our overbloated self-valuation as well. Each of us has a self-valuation that's overblown. We think of ourselves a lot more highly than we need to, and we don't know that. See, well, no, what do you, maybe then I ought to, but not that I need to. I need to think of myself highly in order to survive. I need to think of myself highly in order to do the things that I have to do in life. No, you don't. This work says you don't. And you say you do. Now, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe this work or your lying eyes? If you wish to develop, you must submit to discipline, the discipline of the work, and obey what it says. Now, does it have to be the work? Yes. Yes, it has to be the work. Does that mean the fourth way? No, no. It doesn't mean the fourth way. That's far too parochial and limited for me. No, it does not have to be the fourth way. But it has to be the word. It has to be the truth. It has to be the work. It has to be the work of the conscious circle of humanity. Does it have to be the conscious circle of humanity? No. Call it God. Call it the ascended masters. Call it those enlightened beings that went before us. Call it 
the Sangha. I don't care what you call it. Submit to it. Stop splitting hairs on what it's called and cut to the chase. Are you going to obey? Are you going to submit? Are you going to continue to do everything your way? That's the question. Not what to call what you're submitting to. It doesn't matter. It could be a toad out in the garden. I don't care. If you can submit to something higher, if you can call a toad something higher and submit to it, then fine. Then do that. If it's your favorite tree, then fine. Do that. Whatever. But start somewhere. Start to obey something besides your lying eyes. At first, we're willing to submit, to obey. But when payday rolls around, we find we're not so willing. Now, you people in the trades, you go out there and you do bids. You do estimates for jobs. And you say, okay, for what you want, it's going to cost this much. Some people say, okay, great, go ahead and do it. And some people go, what? What? That's insane. It's going to cost that much? Well, can't you do it cheaper? I don't want to have to put all your kids through college or whatever they say. And then maybe, you know, it depends on what kind of person you are. Maybe you say, okay, well, you know, I can do this or I can do that. And that's usually a mistake. It's usually a mistake because once they start chipping, it's very difficult for them to stop. Once they find that you're soft in an area, it's very difficult for them to stop digging because they're diggers, because they want to get something for nothing. They know what they want, and they know what they want to pay for it, which is nothing. And they know that you want something, and they know that they probably should give you something but it's not going to be anywhere near what it should be from your perspective. And that's how we are. So it's like those people, those chippers, those bargain hunters, that's how we are with the truth. You want the truth and you want all of it. You want the full Monty. Ooh, I don't think I should say that. (laughs) You want the whole thing. You want it all. But you don't want to pay the full price. You want some bargain price. You want to know the least you can do, the least you can get away with. You want to find out the very least that you have to do in order to squeak by and get the whole truth. What's the least I have to give up in order to get transformation? How much can I keep? How much of myself can I keep and still be transformed? Well, I'm here to tell you none of it. None of it. You can't keep any of it and be transformed. It all has to go. And that is simply not a bargain that we can strike at this time. But this is the truth. The truth is that all of false personality must go. All of it. And right now, we're not willing to have that happen. So now, what the work is, is a negotiation. It's negotiating with a criminal. Because the false personality is a criminal. All crime comes from the false personality. All wickedness comes from the false personality. All wrong comes from the false personality. The false personality is a criminal. Now, we're in a position of negotiating with a criminal. Why? Well, because we're identified with the criminal, because we think that we are the criminal. But when we think we're it, we don't think it's a criminal. We think it has rights. And you know how upset you get when they give criminals $100,000 a year room, TV and Internet access and a telephone. And like, you know how upset you get over that, thinking that you're paying for that and the criminals shouldn't have that? Well, when you're the criminal, you don't think that. When you're the criminal, you think, well, how come I don't have access to a library so that I can get a good defense, you know, when I take my case to the Supreme Court? That's not fair. That's what you think. This is what the false personality thinks like. Get to know it, get to see what it is and start to understand this is you. This is where your sense of self is, that you, your sense of self, is this criminal that doesn't think that what it's doing is a crime. But judging by the results of what's happening in the world, it looks like uh, there's a lot of crime and there must be a lot of criminals, but it can't all be all them. There are not enough bona fide criminals to do that much damage in the world. Think about it. We're a part of it. So payday rolls around, false personality has to pay. It's not so willing. Wants what it wants, but it does want to pay for it. 
The main discipline of this work is self-remembering. If you're cloudy on this, and who isn't, how can you expect to connect with this work and receive force from it? Without self-remembering, you cannot do this work. You cannot connect with this work. You cannot receive force. You cannot get a tube from you to this work where force can flow through to you without self-remembering. Self-remembering is the tube that taps the source, that draws off force from the source to you. That's self-remembering. Without that, it's not going to happen. You're going to have an intellectual connection. You will get no force. You will not get the force of the work. You will get more false personality. That's what you'll get. You'll get a stronger false personality. This work is dangerous because if you don't connect with it properly, your false personality will strengthen. You will get worse. You won't get better. Yet, because we feel entitled, we expect just that. We expect to not really be able to remember ourselves but to have the work remember us instead. The work should remember us. No, we're not asked to do much. This work doesn't ask us to do much because it says right off the bat you can't do. So it doesn't ask us to do much. Just ask a little bit. Try to remember yourself, but that's too much for us. We want the work to somehow do it for us. And if we do it, then we want the credit for it, which of course just builds false personality some more. So it's a very dangerous situation. We really do expect imagination to take the place of right effort. I mean, we genuinely do expect that. We expect that imagination will take the place of right effort. That rather than make right effort, we can have imagination. And then when something doesn't work, we can say, well, it's the work's fault or it's your fault or it's some other person. Because I made right effort. I'm making right effort all the time. It just isn't doing any good. It just isn't working. That's not obeying the work, is it? That's obeying you. That's obeying what the false personality thinks. The false personality thinks it's done it all right and the work has cheated it. Just like the people that you work for when you go do a job, you go do the job and then they don't want to pay you. Well, no, I think you should do this to it. They want to add something to it. Well, you should also throw this in too. Can you throw that in? Can you do this? Well, you're here. Why don't you just do this too? Well, how much? It cost me that much? Well, come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? They don't want to pay. And that's how we are. We don't want to pay. If you knew the gift... It's like Jesus with the woman at the well, and she's going on and on about this and that. And he says, look, lady, if you knew who was standing in front of you and what he could give you, you'd be asking for that. You wouldn't be asking for this other business. You'd be asking for a drink from him, and I'd give you the living water. And you drink this, and you'll never thirst again. The water that, that the false personality gives us, we thirst again all the time. You never get enough. You follow the false personality. You are never satisfied. You drink that other water, you will never thirst again, but you're going to have to live off of that water. You can't do without it. So don't think that you won't want it. You'll just never thirst again in that old way, but you will constantly crave the truth. Since we are verifiably not one but many, self-observation begs the question, which self should I remember? Maurice Nicole said, if a man remembers his observing eye, he will observe himself. He will observe he's trying to remember himself, and this will prevent him. It is not the same as remembering himself. Observing yourself is not the same as remembering yourself. If you observe your business self, you start thinking about business. Look, you people meditate sometimes. You know this. You know that you start to observe this, and then you start to think about that. You start to, it carries you away. So when you observe your business self and start thinking about business, you're not self-remembering. You observe the observing eye, you're now observing the observing eye, but you're not self-remembering. The business self feels that it can do. The observing self feels that it can observe. Okay, that's that. That's all we need to know about them. They think they can do what they can't do. 
If you remember these selves, they will ride off with you, taking you nowhere. How many of your trains of thought led nowhere already? How many of your trains of thought, your habitual trains of thought, lead nowhere? All of them, exactly. That's the right answer. All of them. The right answer meaning that's the right answer for you. For you, maybe it's just 12 of them. That's the right answer for you. When you discover the rest of them lead nowhere, then that'll be the right answer for you. But there's no sense in lying about it. If the right answer for you is none of them, all of my trains of thought lead somewhere, fine, that's right for you. Go back to work. What else can I say? Go back to work. The best answer I've ever heard is the self that knows its own nothingness. Which self should you remember? The self that knows its own nothingness. I've just never heard a better answer than that. Move in that direction. What if you don't have a self that knows its own nothingness? Well, chances are you don't have a self that knows its own nothingness. Then go with the self that is moving in that direction, that is moving in the direction of wishing to know its own nothingness. What does that mean? It means don't go with the selves that are moving in the direction of defending themselves. Don't go with the selves that are going in the direction of self-defense, self-justification, self-love. Go with the eyes that are moving in the direction of knowing their own nothingness. They wish to know their own nothingness. Go with those eyes. Remember those selves. As we are, we are certain that we can do. As I said last week, we're right. We can do in a life sense. Doing equals mechanical reacting. That's what doing means for us. Doing is mechanical reacting. We can do that all day long. It takes no effort whatsoever. We can do effortlessly. And we can even do with some effort to prove that we're really doing. That's all it is. We're just doing something we're not accustomed to doing. But it takes a little more life effort. But it's not work effort. There's a difference. This is not conscious doing. Mechanical reacting doesn't change you. If you change the action of life on yourself by inner work on impressions, that is to begin to do. If you can change the way life acts on you, by observing how it is acting on you and by applying the work to what it's doing, what life is bringing into you. So if the impressions that are coming into you, if you begin, whatever those impressions are, if those impressions are pain, if those impressions are anguish, if those impressions are worry, if those impressions are happiness, if those impressions are being elated, whatever those impressions are, if you apply the work to them, you will transform those impressions and they will not be able to act on you the way they always have in the past. If I'm elated and overjoyed, why would I want to have the work deal with that? (laughs) Because it's no different than any other impression. All impressions need to go through the work. Well, I don't think that's right. Fine. Then don't obey the work. Obey your lying eyes. You know where that's going to go. Your whole life is the result of, or most of your life, is the result of you obeying lying eyes. You leaning to your own understanding. You knowing what's best for you. Well, it's not all bad. No, not yet. If your life is mechanically happy right now, okay, that's going to change. Self-remembering, like everything else in esotericism, is multifaceted and multilayered. Just when you think you've got it, you need to drop it because that's not it. There's more. One of the things that I've been trying to work with you with is this idea about right and wrong. <laughs> I hear this, well, you know, you're right. You, you want to be right or whatever. And it's like, I mean, there's no such thing. It's like you're talking about something that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as right. What is right effort? There's no such thing as right effort. It's an idea. It's not a thing. It's not an action. It's an idea. It's a space. It's a flow. It's an energy. It's not a thing. There are no words for this. You'll have to get this. You'll have to get this. But you have to pull yourself out of this. There's right. This is right and this is wrong. But when you expand your awareness, you find that, well, that's not right and that's not right. And that's not right and that's not right. And none of that stuff is wrong. It just is. 
That's all. It just is. And right or wrong are labels that we apply to things according to what give us pleasure or displeasure. And when you get beyond that pleasure and displeasure thing, then you have it just is. One way of remembering yourself is to remember the work when life would ordinarily be making you negative. Look, you can't remember yourself all the time. You just can't do it. If you could, you'd be awake, but you're not awake. So therefore, there's got to be some step in between that we can take. Well, the step in between that we can take is to remember the work. Remember something about the work when you're negative. What does that do? You said it yesterday. You said, well, sometimes I just can't stop it. I have to review it. I have to observe it. After it happened, I have to observe it. And then I can see something. Yes, that's right. Remember something about the work. The more you practice remembering something about the work, then the closer it gets to being able to do it now instead of going back because it becomes more real to you the more you practice it. Of course, it helps to remember an idea that will free you from identification with a negative emotion. It doesn't often help to remember that the work says that we love negative emotions when you're negative. Yes, the work says we love negative emotions. Yes, I do. That's true. That's not, that's not the idea to remember at that time. You know? Don't, yeah, you could verify that. A good idea to remember is, you know, the work tells me I have the right not to be negative. Well, who'd want the right not to be negative? I'm loving my negative emotion right now. I'm right, for God's sake. And that person's wrong, and they need to know it. It's the only fair thing to do if you really love them. And this is the kind of twisted, convoluted garbage that the false personality comes up with to justify its hate. That kind of insanity is sanity to the false personality. But when you look at it from a work point of view, you see clearly that it's insane. That is insane. But when you're in it, you don't see it. So that's what I mean by remembering a work idea that supports you getting out of the negative state not one that supports you being in it. Because anything can be twisted. The false personality can take anything and twist it. For example, Jesus is driven off into the wilderness, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the false personality draws near to him and says, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread, for it is written. And then Jesus says, Yeah, well, it's also written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So the false personality uses slivers of truth to deceive. And you must be familiar enough with the whole truth to be able to respond with the whole truth. So you've got to spend some time connecting with this work in an intimate, personal way so that it becomes part of you internally. You don't have to sit and think about it. Oh, what was that? What was that? It needs to be part of you internally so that it's right there when you need it. Remembering how much your work teacher doesn't listen to you isn't remembering the work nor is any other form of internal consideration. That's not the work. We like to pretend it is, but it's not the work. That's not thinking about the work. The reason we speak of the work, the word, as food is because we must take it internally and break it down until it becomes an integral part of us. Whatever it is you had for dinner last week is now an integral part of your body. Somehow your body transformed it into more body. Well, in some cases really did <laughs> transform it into more body. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. But in other cases, in other cases, you know, maybe it was transformed into something beneficial. Not that more body can't be beneficial. Bodybuilders are all aware that more body can be beneficial. And dieters are all aware that more body can be very detrimental. So it's just a matter of perspective and what kind of body. There are no easy answers. If they're easy answers, they're probably not worth much. When it is an integral part of us. Only then can we connect with it and its power. You are what you eat in an esoteric sense. You're not the perfume that you wear in an esoteric sense. Maurice Nicole said, He imagines always being calm and even lovely, but when he steps on the tack or she loses her mink, 
They somehow behave as usual, and the work is blown sky high. It isn't the work that's blown sky high, but their miserable little being. I recommend you get familiar with your miserable little being. I recommend you get comfortable with someone saying, you know, (laughs) you really are a miserable little being, without being offended. I recommend you get comfortable with that. I recommend you get comfortable with having your self-love offended, wounded, because it's got to go. It's not going to be pretty if it fights. It's not going to be pretty if you fight for it. If you think you are your self-love, it's not going to be pretty if you try to defend it. I recommend that you get comfortable looking at your miserable little being as what it actually is. Really, a miserable little being. If you don't stick to your work diet, you're going to lose what little connection you may have with it. These ideas must be protected from life and false personality. If you neglect them for business, for family, for social events, you will lose contact with these ideas. This isn't a threat. It's a promise. You know it, whether you're willing to admit it or not at this moment, you know this to be true. You know it in your knower. Whether you can, whether your false personality will allow you to admit it is an entirely different thing. It depends on where it's got hold of you. If it's got you around the throat and it's crushing your vocal cord, you probably can't admit it. If it's right now working on some other part of you, then maybe you can admit it. Maybe you can say, yeah, it's, that's true. Maybe you can begrudgingly admit it. Work ideas can help keep you more conscious if they are applied daily. Once we start to party, we fall asleep. You must apply these ideas daily. You've got to work a little bit every day, and you've got to expand that in the day. The work needs to eat up your day. As it is, the false personality eats up your work. As it is, if you don't set time apart for meditation and work, then life eats that time before you get to it. Life eats that time before you can meditate and work. So you must put the work first. You must put it in a place of prominence. You must value it. You cannot expect life to give you the time to work or to meditate. It is not going to do that. And don't expect your false personality to give you the time. It is not going to do that. You must obey the work. You must surrender some part of your false personality to something higher and start to think that there is something somewhere greater than you. Now, I know that for some of you, that sounds very strange. What? Everything's greater than me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm nothing. No, that's not what you believe because that's not how you behave. I can prove it to any of you at any time because I can offend you. And that is proof. If you can be offended, it is proof that you are not in charge, that your false personality is in charge. Because that is the only thing about you that is ever offended. You are never offended. Your false personality is always offended. Always. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether you are awake or asleep, your false personality is being offended. Just get it straight because everything is an attack on it. Everything is an attack on the false personality. When we wake up later, we don't see the house has been robbed and there are missing work eyes. When we allow life to put us to sleep and we forget it and then we didn't get to work and we just didn't have time for this and didn't have time for that, we wake up later and we look around and we were all, we're all the work eyes. What, 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 what happened? Well, the house had been robbed while we were asleep. That's what happened. This is why I hammer valuation. Valuation of the work. Valuation, valuation, valuation. You've got to put this work in a more valuable place. If you don't recognize the pearl of great price, you're going to let it get away from you and you're going to pick up some bauble instead. 
You're going to take less. If you don't recognize the value of the work, you will settle for less. If you settle for less, you will have less. Time is a psychological distance. Keep hold of your personal work or you're going to be separated from it. Understand that time is a psychological distance. If you don't keep the work close, you're going to be separated from it by time. Time will separate you from these work ideas. Nicole said, all the truth you have experienced in this work must be kept together in the intellectual and emotional centers and in the distinct and different memories connected with these two centers. It's more important than what's under your mattress. It's more important than what's in your safe. It's more important than your bank account and all that other jazz. It's okay to let your cash get cold, but don't let your work grow cold. Maurice Nicole said, Self-remembering is the most important thing in this work and the least attempted. Now, I could have said that, but I understand that it's very difficult for you to believe me when you're negative toward me. But it's easier not to be negative toward somebody who's dead and who wrote something a long time ago and they may not have had you in mind. I know that when I'm talking, you think I'm talking about you. It's always all about you, right? What else is there? I hate to burst your bubble, but there are times when I'm actually not talking about you. I may be saying you, but that's just the collective you. It has nothing to do with you personally. And sometimes if I use your name, I am actually talking about you. And sometimes if I use your name, I'm actually just talking about myself. Or I think that you may have broad enough shoulders to bear the burden of me using your name about somebody else. It doesn't matter. If you are separating from your false personality, you're not going to be offended anyway. Remember, if you're offended, you're in false personality. If you don't remember yourself, you're going to continue to receive life directly, which means you remain its puppet. It's like putting a puppet on your hand. That puppet will do whatever your hand does, and you will be life's puppet. If you receive life directly, if there's not something between you, the puppet, and life, the hand, then you're going to do whatever the hand tells you to do. You're not going to have any choice. There'll be nothing to stop it. You have to get the work in between you and life. If we could receive life on the work, so if life hit the work instead of us, if life was received by the work instead of by us, so by the work in us, if you actually built the work in you enough so that it could receive life, if we could receive life on the work, we would begin to awaken from our sleep. That's how this works. When you become conscious, everything begins to change. The work and the way esotericism thinks is your lamp. Don't let it go out. Don't hide it under a bushel. Keep oil in it, or else you will lose what you have. Now, what you have isn't really that much, but you can't afford to lose. Even if you have only a little, you can afford to lose less. Warren Buffett can afford to lose $10 billion. You can't. You get it? So value what you have and protect it. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.